Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Sarah Davis, founder of luxury resale company, Fashion File. The company buys accessories in the real world from customers who drop them off and resells them online. Neiman Marcus acquired a stake in Fashion File last year, so I wanted to get the scoop on how that's impacted the 20-year-old company and how it's competing in the booming resale space. That's next. Hey, Sarah. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Of course. Dying to dig into Fashion File, which is no new business. We've been hearing a lot about resale. We've been talking a lot about resale on Glossy, but how long have you been around? So long. <laughs> We've been, we started, I started selling on eBay in 1999. So I'm one of those stories. So a long time. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Like nasty I gal. joke. And she then it's not, even, it's not even a joke that a lot of her employees weren't born. And it's not a joke. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Yeah. I was born for sure. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh my gosh. So it started on eBay. Yeah. Saw, grew, 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 and just decided to go off on your own, do something yeah, so 2007, we started the website. So, um, you know, right off the bat, I was in law school at the time. So, you know, I didn't, I, I really, I saw the potential, but I had, you know, I had this idea in my head about what I was going to do with my life. And by the time I graduated, I took the bar just basically out of pride because I don't want people to think I didn't practice law because I couldn't pass the bar. Yes. But um, I i had fallen in love. And so um, I talked to my brother-in-law who I'd started another business with um, in 2006 and conned him into joining me and um, you know so started there in LA in Beverly Hills so the location that we opened in 2006 where we um, opened a, a brick and mortar like I talked about earlier, yes. a little selling studio so you go to sell your bags there we don't we sell, we could say the world is our marketplace. We sell online. Yep. But um, but you can go in and sell your bags to us in our selling studios, and then we'll pay for you. We'll pay for those bags on the spot, and then we put them online. Okay, so. great. So all the selling is happening online. Yes. Got it. And how many selling studios do you have now? Well, we have, with Neiman Marcus now, we have seven. So. Yes. Yeah. At Neiman Marcus Partnership. That's new. Yeah, so Okay, new. yeah, so... How is that working? Talk talk to me about the partnership. It's not all locations, or maybe it will be eventually. We sure hope so. Yeah. So, um, you know, we opened, like I said, we've been in Beverly Hills ever since those early days, and still are in the same location there. And then we opened in in San Francisco a studio in two thousand nine, and then in North County, San Diego, in two thousand twelve, and then in on Madison, New York City, in two thousand eighteen. Um, and then, but April of last year, um, we took an investment from Neiman Marcus and was, you know, really excited about that. And honestly, we were excited about the investment um, and we're kind of nervous, not really didn't want to, we couldn't be too sure about what type of strategic partnership would be available because there's sensitivities around lots of things, you know. And so we just thought they'll be a great partner either way, um, but they've been so amazing and, and we've opened force. Um, selling studios inside Neiman Marcus so far. So we're okay, in great. Dallas, where their headquarters is in North Park. Um, we are in Beverly Hills, San Francisco, and then in Newport Beach. Yes. So, yeah, Let's talk Island. about some of those um, kind of, I don't know, touchy areas, which I know um, 
more so resale companies are partnering directly with brands. And I think that there's probably been a, I don't know, worry in the past from brands about like, For sure. I don't know. First of all, have you experienced any tension? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the early days, I think that brands didn't know what to do with us. We're selling their brand. They care about the way that their brand is treated, their their packaging, their branding. They worry about cannibalization and lots of things. And I think over time, the brands have recognized that secondary market isn't going anywhere. This isn't like, you know, like, oh, a new fun way to sell, like, you know, flash sales. Maybe it'll be something that people do now. Maybe not. You know, who knows? This is something that your grandma did, selling and her old stuff and buying pre-owned. Yeah. Um, and so it's what we've done is just taken technology and added it to that and added scale to something we've been doing for hundreds of years. And so I think the brands have recognized that it's not going anywhere. And so more and more they're, they're thinking, what do we do about this? And so it's led to some really amazing conversations that we've been able to have with the brands to say they're curious and they are, they care about sustainability too. And they you know, they want their brands to be, I think they're to be treated properly. And so they worry about, you know, their, their product that they care so much about looking like it's selling in a flea market, you know, they want it to be elevated. And so there's lots of, it's been really good. I think in the last like two to five years, things have just turned around just unbelievably. So. Definitely. Do you think that Neiman Marcus partnership will kind of open doors in terms of uh, in terms of working directly with brands oh. or is that kind of your... No, it already has. Yeah. I mean, it already has just in that when there's a brand with a problem, they know that they can talk to us and, and that, you know, that that relationship is, is to- we're totally open. And so we've actually had a really, we've said, hey, listen, we're transparent. Come see if you have a problem, please. We'd love to host you, you know, at our headquarters, walk you through our process. And we've had the um, opportunity to do that, to bring brands into Fashion File to our headquarters and walk them through our process, you know, all day long, multiple days of just really kind of digging deep. And it's been really eye-opening and I think reassuring for the brands to see um, what Neiman Marcus saw, which is the CEO, when he came the first day, he was, he just said, you treat the brand so with such respect from the minute it comes until the minute it, it lands at the next person's door. And, he, you know, and he, that was really important yeah. um, for Neiman Marcus. And so I think that that's something that they like to see. Do you think that you'll ever be selling at Neiman Marcus? I, I you know, I doubt it. We don't, um, honestly, because our, our strategy, the entire, ever since we've been, like I said, the world is our marketplace. So what we like to do is because we've got just this skilled clientele and technology, we're able to do something that's revolutionary, which is pay you on the spot for your your items. And so we want to sell that online and and it doesn't, it's difficult. <laughs> the truth is we've done, we did a pop-up over the holidays and it was super fun. We did a couple of them actually. Um, super fun to just, you know, dip into to the retail side. And we did that when we first started. We When you came to our locations, you could buy anything on the shelves. Um, but we, we really like e- <laughs> e-commerce, e-commerce, selling online. So um, it keeps it clean. It, it, it There's no more issues with the brands yep. because they're, we're not selling any product. In fact, if you walk into Newport Beach today um, to the Fashion Island, um, Neiman Marcus, you won't see a single bag. It will look like a really elegant, elevated space. Um, but you'll drop off a couple bags. You'll go to the cafe and have lunch or go shop somewhere and in the department store and You'll get an alert for us from us in 45 minutes that says your 
check is ready or if you put on an Marcus gift card, they'll give you 10% more. And so um, it's really cool because it's the first time you can actually like buy – pay for your purchase today with the bag that you from yesterday nice on the spot yep. which is just so cool sell your old buy yeah, a new right at uh, the same shopping trip i mean yep. it's just revolutionary so very cool so talk about some of the learnings that came from your recent pop-up yeah um i think that who um, is shopping who's the customer yeah the thing that's so cool about being online is we know a lot about those people already yes <laughs> before they walk in the door because when you're online we know what cities, what's, who's buying what. And we know a lot about the demographic of those people, the ages, and, you know, they're, it's scary how much you know, really, from Google um, Analytics and things like that. So we knew a lot about the people. So what's really helpful is because of that, we know what to put there because we know what people in those particular areas are already buying. Yeah. So that's been really helpful. Where were they? They were, um, You put your pop-ups where you have your core customer. Well, your- well we had, there's a couple just really great opportunities. The Barney's RIP um, uh-uh. outlet that was that is literally like a, down the road from us in Carlsbad where our headquarters is. Um, that They had a flagship at the outlets there. And so it's a really big, beautiful um, store that they'd had for forever. Um, and so when they went out... They had space, and so we took Perfect. that over. It was just like, um, we can't not do it. They, the opportunity came available, and we're like, oh, this is so easy because we can get inventory back and forth. But we had little weird things like we don't sell retail, so we don't have price tags on our tags. So all these weird things that actually is, is a tech problem that we have to integrate into our system. So little weird things like that, but, um, you know, it was just interesting. Yeah, and other than that, are your customers mainly on the coast or where you would expect or kind of where would, yeah. where they can find? Um, I think we see um, a little a halo that you hear about, the halo effect around where you're located. And and so we'll have like little pockets of, you know, a lot of clients in an area like San Diego, which isn't a huge luxury. There's money for sure in San Diego, but um, but it's where you'd expect, really. New York City was always, we we wanted to come here for so long, but we're like from California and everything is so easy and close. We're like, oh, it seems so far away. <laughs> so many, you know, time zones away and so cold. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's great. It's been fantastic. We've been so, we were kicking ourselves like why we waited so long because it's been amazing. Um, so we love being here, but it's what you expect, you know, yeah. and so kind of the big cities. Um, but we 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 really serve kind of like also middle America and the South where there just isn't luxury. So that's something that people don't talk about a lot. But like, you know, you, if you live in Biloxi, Mississippi and you want a Chanel or a Louis Vuitton handbag, you got to drive to Atlanta, Georgia or Houston, Texas. My goodness. To yeah. buy your bags. Well, Louis Vuitton sells online, but Chanel doesn't yep. sell online. Um, and Still so, to this day. Yeah. And how is that possible? <laughs> yeah. It is. Um, can you talk a little bit about your business model? You're yeah. exclusive to bags, mm-hmm. shoes, accessories. Yes. We call ultra luxury accessories. And so it's very limited, 51 brands. We we specialize in authentication. So it's like it's only brands that require that expert level of authentication. And so um, it's accessories and only the upper level of those and we and we're, we differentiate ourselves because we are the buyout model as well. We pay up front, but yeah, yeah. Talk to me about that authentication process. It's such yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's risky business. It is. I mean, it's a little bit. Again, it's one of the reasons why we stick to fifty one brands. I mean, one of the problems I feel like you know uh, some of our competitors. There's you know, ThreadUp, I think, has 55,000 brands, something crazy. I mean, Jeez. they 
I, I admire them so much because, and I love my, we, my family and me personally, we are, we love the secondary market and support it in every, <laughs> we support all of our competitors, just not with what we sell. But um, yeah, and so, but it's just an operational, just, it's amazing to me what they're able to do. But when you stick to a small number and you have developed an expertise around that, and it's not really an operational issue for us because it's so, every single item that comes in the door is highly counterfeited and requires expert authentication. And so you just develop a system around that. Um, and so it requires constant learning and development, and um, but that's what we do, and we've been doing it for 20 years. So Yes. Your authenticators, are they... They focus on one brand each, or how, how does it work? Is yeah. there something called Fashion File University? There is I've heard of this. Talk yes. to me about this. Yeah, I mean, we from the very beginning, like I, we've actually now been able to talk to the brands, and we've said to them, if you had a Chanel training center that we could send our, I don't, we would, I don't care how much it costs, our, we would have employees there, but you don't. And if Harvard or Stanford had a school with a degree in Dior authentication, we would have people there, but they don't. And right. so we created our own and we really just, we've got, I mean, literally ripping bags apart, you know, real and fake and just, we've been doing this for 20 years. And so we've just got a systematic approach with a full curriculum and, you know, we've got like training materials that we use and a full team. And so they, there's certain numbers of hours under apprentice before you even get to authenticate a particular brand. And if you're not certified to authenticator for Chanel, you don't authenticate Chanel. You don't have, we don't have one authenticator who's authenticating all items. Obviously, fine jewelry requires GIA specialists, but just because you're a GIA specialist doesn't mean you can authenticate, you know, fine jewelry. And so, yeah. again, it's a different level there as well. That's not something that, that even the GIA offers is Cartier authentication. That's not something that's been, you know, done in the past. And so, again, that's something we've had to develop. About how long are they training or studying? <laughs> I mean, learning? honestly, for Hermes, it could be you know, a year before you're authenticating anything by yourself. Um, you know, but there's all kinds of other learnings and things they're doing along the way. It's not, there's, there are definitely rules that go every brand. When you learn this particular rule, then you can follow all rules. But we're using all kinds of very cool technology. There was a time when we have like synthetic diamond testers, obviously for fine jewelry, but nowadays the counterfeit fine jewelry is using real diamonds, real <laughs> platinum and gold. It's not like you can just check the materials anymore and, oh, that's real, so it must be real. It's got to be real Cartier. Because we've seen ring. Definitely. We actually saw a, a Pave bracelet that was probably $3,500 in materials, but not a $50,000 Cartier bracelet. It was a fake Isn't real gold. Wild? Yes. <laughs> we've been hearing that a lot about um, Danny and my team with watches and kind of Frankensteining yeah. the pieces together. And oh. it's... It's terrifying. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. But also just, you know, there's just so many cool using technology to be able to aid in the human. We'll never have a machine that is authenticating everything because, you know, the Virgil Abloh PVC keep all comes out and what tool are you going to use to authenticate that? It's right. Not, you have to have people who are skilled and, you know, experts who are able to use machines as well. Great. How, how many people, how many authenticators are at your corporate office? Yeah. Well, we have, it depends on how you, we have like about 26. Okay. But, um, and then we get in the jewelry department and all that. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So things are changing all the time. I mean, there have got to be things that are, you know, 
take a step back. Maybe it's confusing. Louis Vuitton making bags in Texas or whatever, and yeah. things are going to say made in the U.S. I mean, I'm sure that's just integrated into your training. What? Yeah. what we're Talk to con- me about that. Yes, we're constantly looking at those changes. And, and you can see that, too, just in we watched the news and we saw that investment that they made. And it's very interesting. What are they going to do? But we know they've, you know, Louis Vuitton's been producing bags out of um, a factory in California f- now for you know decades. So it's not totally new, but we're like, OK, what's they have, you know, every company has like different codes about, you know, that kind of clue you as to where that particular item is made. It'll say made in USA, but it'll also give you a clue that this is made in this particular factory. So it's like, okay, what's the new code coming out of Texas? Who knows? Or I don't know, what what are they doing there? Maybe they're only going to be making rivets. Totally. Who knows? You never know. I was talking to the the founder of Goat, and he told me that um, certain they're able to tell if a Nike... They're authenticators. If a Nike is authentic because of a, a smell, a certain glue that they, they yeah. use, is, yeah. there a, is there a smell yeah. component? No, <laughs> we always joke about the nose because it's it's super important. There's The Louis Vuitton canvas has this particular smell that's just like, you, you if you know it, you know it. And, you know, we joke because a couple of years ago, Hermes came out with their leather, their dye or something just smelled like pot. And we first got the first bag and we're like, what is going on with this supplier? <laughs> like, is she, and then we, and then we got more in and we're like, what is happening? And then we t- started talking to some of our clients and we found that this is actually a known issue within Hermes. And so now it's something that's helpful. Like this smells like pot, potentially an authentic bag we're working with here. So yeah, very interesting. Yeah. As Chanel, as Chanel um, kind of, they're still not selling online. Yeah. What are you finding? Is it just, can you buy in store? Are things, are, is Chanel selling at a greater price point than maybe other brands that, on your site, than yeah. maybe other brands that are more yeah. well, available? Exactly. Well, I do know this. It's it's one of those things where if you can't buy it online and you want it, and it's going to take you a plane trip to get to the bag, you're more willing to spend more. And so, um, you know, that's something that we see when we sell a 2000 this year, 2020, or last year when we sell a 2019 Chanel bag, they're selling at or above retail, depending on the, you know, the condition of the bag. If someone wants to buy a new bag, they're willing to pay what they need to, which is often more than retail. So, yeah. Yes. Are you selling exclusively to U.S. um, buyers? We don't. We spent, we will sell to anyone. Um, And so we do have, it's like under 20% of our um, buyers are international. Um, Just because, really you would need to be international to really do that well we would that's on our list um but just with the customs and all that we're happy to do it but um you pay customs on a return so we because you know again if you if you've never carried this bag before which a lot of people who buy from us they've never seen this bag in real life yeah and it's so fun but what if it's way heavier than you thought or way smaller or way whatever we like to be able to do returns but you pay customs on the return. So we're like, we're happy to take it back, but then we're going to have to pay hundreds of dollars maybe to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Makes it harder. Is it Asia and Europe? Is that majority of international? Majority actually Canada and Australia. Oh, wow. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, Asia has got a very sophisticated resale market that they've had going for like, you know, 40 years. So we do a lot of business in Asia. Actually, we do a lot of business with Asian Americans. Um, but as far as in Asia, they've just got their own thing going on so well that, um, you know, we have an office in Tokyo. Um, and so, you know, we definitely are, we admire what they're doing. Um, you know, cause 
in Japan and in China, they really are, they're real major consumers of luxury. Um, and they just have that resale game down. They've been doing it for so long. So let's take a quick break. How competitive is it right now for these sellers? I mean, there are only so many luxury bags that people want to part with. And yeah, yeah I know your competitors are popping up yes. left and right. Yeah, there are. they are. And, you know, the, the reality is, again, we think that like a rising tide raises all ships. Is that what it is? It's really been the more yeah. competitors we've had. We've been doing this for so long. And when the first competitor came around in like 2009, we're like, oh my gosh, this is it. Oh, this is so scary. Then the real real came in 2014 or 13, something like that. And we're like, oh, they've, they're raising so much money. We were bo- totally bootstrapped until Neiman Marcus last year. Wow. And so we're like, oh, this is how can we compete? And what we realize is, is we just stick to what we know and do we know um, and be good to our our clients, then we're able to continue to, we've had a 50% growth rate year over year consistently since we've been keeping record. And, um, and we've been able to continue that even without raising the money. And even with all that competition, I think partially because of the awareness that's come to the, to the sector. And, um, you know, we bought our conference room table chairs from the real real at Fashion File. Uh, we support all of our competitors. <laughs> we do, but it, they're, you know, and they're great. You can buy, my daughter buys Nike athletic shorts, like 15 bucks on the Real Real. People think that the Real Real is just what we are. Yeah. But it consignment, but it's not. They're, they consign everything in the house. Yeah. And it's a consignment model. And we stick to 51 brands of accessories and it's a buyout model. So, you know, just like there's room for a Chanel boutique and an even Marcus, there's room for Totally. Specialists like us, and, yes, and all of our competitors to be um, successful. Totally. So you promise, you know, pay up front. Is there is it a certain percentage or? Um, yeah. What's what's the deal? Yeah. So the way that it works is we have we've been doing this for so long. You know, we are aiming for about a thirty percent margin. So you keep seventy, we keep thirty. That's kind of what our aim is. But what happens is that if you bring us a two thousand, because we're a buyout model. We don't use a flat rate. So we're using our technology and a pricing algorithm we've built to say, you bring us a 2019 flap that we're going to sell in a day that's a you know $6,000 purse. Why would we charge you 30%? Right. So we might charge you 10% for that. Um, so things that sell really quick, quickly, if the velocity sells quick or if it's a super high dollar item or it's very popular, we'll give you much more. But if you bring us a dirty Fendi spy bag from 2007 that's been around a few blocks, we yeah. might only get, you know, 50% for that because right. it's going to be hard to sell. It's going to sit on the site for a while and have to discount it and you're glad to get rid of it. So yes. it works out. What's your um, take on promotions? Is it if it's on the site for extended, yeah. it just automatically goes on sale? We do that. That's how we do it. We do So we do 10% at 30 days, 20% at 60 days and 30% at 90 days. And that's when you say, why did we buy this? <laughs> yeah, it, it all works out because I mean, things, you know, 30 something percent of everything we sell sells in a day. So yes. we have very fast turns. Um, but, um, you know, but there's always something there. There's always the bargains to be had. We actually have an outlet as well. So we have a standard of what we want on fashionfile.com and it's all very, you know, if you just browse for a site, it looks all clean and nice and very good condition. But if we get something that's like, oh, this is a bag has like nail polish melted on the inside, we'll still take that from you because we like, it's a job to get us stuff drive it down to our headquarters or drive it down to Neiman Marcus and drop it off. It's that's a job or mailing it to us as a job. So we're like, 
we'll take all your stuff. If it's yeah. one of our 51 brands and our kind, we'll take it. But we're only going to give you $250 for that bag that's, you know, with the nail polish in it. And we're going to put it on our outlet. Yeah. So, so real bargain hunters can go to the outlet and they can dig around and find some real killer deals. But it's not mixed in with FashionWall.com. The carts are connected. But Got it. Yeah. So, so it's... It's it's totally separate. IRL. It's a yeah. Visit the outlet. Yeah, it's, not, it's not online. If you uh, yes, yeah, no, no, no. It's online. Oh, oh. It, everything we do is online. But if you go to our discounted tab to the bottom, there's a fashionable outlet, or you go to fashionableoutlet.com. It'll take you there. Gotcha. But it's just separate because people who shop Fashion File don't want to see used shoes. Yes. I don't know what it is. They don't like used shoes. They return them higher on fashionable.com. But if we put on in the outlet and warn you these are used, <laughs> it's a good deal. So then we don't get them returned as much, so it's separate. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Got it. Okay, talk about your newer two PR and marketing. Yeah. How, <laughs> what have you been doing in, in the marketing front? Yeah, so we just never, you know, before the, the name of Marcus deal in April, we didn't have a marketing department. Like, I still, every every Instagram post we'd put up, I'd put up myself and responded to. Nice. We just didn't have anything as really we were struggling to just keep up with the org organic growth of the business as it was. And we didn't really know when you're talking about only the 51 brands in those, only the accessories. Yeah. It's a, it's a very, you know, very, it's a great, deep, lucrative mar um, little niche, but it's a small, it's a narrow niche. And so we don't, we didn't really know how to market to only that. And we didn't feel like cab toppers or things that if you're selling everything in the house, that might be a good way to go. Cause you want to sell your rug on the floor and your, and your Nike shorts and your Chanel bag, then yeah, then some of those bigger, wider awareness building tools might work. But we worried that we would, you know, we wouldn't use our, it's our own money bootstrapped yeah, <laughs> wisely. But since then, we've started to grow the department. So, and still, we've kind of grown the digital marketing side. Because again, we're still trying to figure out how, you know, what, what you do to market to only those particular people. And we found the best thing we can do historically is just give really juicy offers on the really amazing stuff, treat you really fairly, pay really quickly, and you'll tell your friends. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, that's a good marketing plot. So. Honestly. Were you paying a lot in Google search, or that was none of it? Yeah. So that's yeah. that's all we've done is Google. Got so it. So until April, that was our entire strategy was Google shopping. We're like, that works. That makes sense. <laughs> Someone's shopping for what we've got. Let's, have, let's be there. Yeah. <laughs> and now, what is the message that you're putting out there? Are you focusing a lot on sustainability and driving that message? Yeah. I think that it's super exciting um, that people are, are shopping with that in mind nowadays. It's yeah. been something. What our In 2008, we had our logo was was this woman with a, holding a handbag. My aunt drew it. She was a doll designer for Hasbro, and it said, saving the earth one fabulous bag at a time. It was, And then we're like, okay, that is so cheesy, you know, and we put it away. And now I think people are coming, are really getting behind it. It's totally Fun. true. I mean, we're not really saving the earth, but it really does, you know, the, the option to be able to not have something sitting in your closet, give somebody else the opportunity to carry it without, you know, and people are making choices based on that. So it's super exciting. That's awesome. I saw on your site, you have a section that's with unboxing videos from YouTube. Yeah. Are those um, maybe bags that you've gifted and these are influencers or what, no. what's going on there? No. I mean, it is crazy. What we realize is from, again, when you have no marketing department, we realized that people were unboxing our videos without, we never said anything in their unboxings. So we're like, let's make the box something you want to share in an unboxing video. Yeah. And so we made our packaging, you know, something's totally shareable. And so what we realized is nobody wants to be told, share this. 
But if right. you give people material, my 13-year-old wants material, you know, <laughs> you give them anything that's that they that they want to share because it's so fun and cute, they will share it. Definitely. Um, and so people do that. And so we don't have any, we don't, we don't even say share your unboxing video. We don't reward it. We, but people just do it. And it honestly, sometimes like I get emotional because it's like, it says fashion file unboxing video. It's like a $5,000 Chanel purse. And Chanel isn't in the title. I mean, it's like, it brings a tear to your eye, right? Right. It's so cute. Today we are doing a handbag unboxing specifically from Fashion File. Oh my God, you guys. You guys. The package is here. I'm so excited. Today's video is one of my favorite types of videos. It's an unboxing. And it's, of course, from one of my favorite sites online, Fashion File. What's been your take on influencers to date? Are you working with them now? Yeah. So we have, we use an influencer program that's um, an affiliate program. Okay. So what it means for, uh, again, when you're like bootstrapped and you kind of are trying to figure it out on the fly, it's like, you know that you're paying an influencer if they push a sale. So it's like, we would love to share with you if you're, if you're, you know, if you're helping us to sell a bag, we would love to to pay you for that. But we, what we didn't want to do is pay an influencer, and we have no idea what just happened to that money. Did anybody? And on the internet, you can really track totally. Well. Um, and what we realize is that people who have a lot of influence don't necessarily aren't the ones pushing a lot of sales. Yep. And um, especially in our world, there's a lot of really powerful micro influencers with like under you know, 100,000 followers that really move bags. And it's crazy. And those women, mostly, couple men, <laughs> but, like, make a decent living just with from our affiliate program. Um, and they have very few followers. And some of the, the, the influencers who are involved in our program who have millions-plus followers don't move product. And we yeah. can see it. So we don't do um, – we don't pay for um, – collaborations where it's like oh here's 15,000 for a post or something it's like we pay on the sale so that makes perfect sense yeah got it you mentioned men has the kind of infiltration of streetwear into luxury has that changed your world yeah I mean it's crazy men I mean I feel like I feel like there's a so much there but like the whole I feel like Louis Vuitton recognized and saw you know with Virgil that whole thing um it's weird because I've got four kids, and so I see this for myself, and they're all teens and early 20s. And um, my son is the one who's the most psycho about this stuff because it's like all of his basketball guys and all the rappers. The, so of all my kids, he's someone who like wants a, an H-belt. I'm like, okay, get a job. Your mom is never buying you an H-belt. Mark my words, not for Christmas, nothing. I just can't. Buddy. Yeah, but like get a job. And by the way, you probably know somebody to give you a good discount on a used H-belt. But it's so funny. You know what I mean? He's 16 years old. How yeah. that, he, that he has any idea. It's just so interesting. And so I feel like when you just look at that and extrapolate it up, it's a lot with exactly the streetwear that's just meshed in with luxury. I mean, the whole like Dior-Nike collaboration, that's just unbelievable so cool and interesting and so I think men I don't know I think there's probably back not too long where just felt weird with getting involved too in too much of a, a flashy way with luxury that's kind of gone away yeah 
Do you have more sneakers on your site than ever before? Yeah, we have a lot <laughs> of sneakers. Yeah. yeah, it's so interesting. And so, and we'll see. I think it's so weird too, and and interesting that just how sneakers have infiltrated their way into the workplace. Where, again, just in the time we've been doing this, where we'll have meetings with professional people, and the men are wearing Gucci sneakers and with their button-up shirt and their right. What? It's just so it's such an interesting thing where that just wasn't a thing like five years ago. Definitely. Yeah. Gosh, this Neiman Marcus relationship is new. So I'm sure this is kind of the next thing to grow that, build on that. Um, what else is next? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is we've only hit such a tip of the iceberg. I mean, we've done a lot of research on like, because we haven't had a marketing department and it's been largely word of mouth. And the and Neiman Marcus thing has been huge for us and kind of we're getting the word out. And now we're kind of getting our own word out better. But um, there's so little awareness still. And so there's so much growth just in our just what we're doing now. And even with all the competition, all of the different players in our market, there's so much still just money in, in investments that are locked up in people's closets that they ha- they're not using. And so every day we're meeting people who are just like, I had no idea you could do this. And we're like, how could yes. you not know that? <laughs> I mean, I get, I, I get you wouldn't know about us, but there's just, it's everywhere now. And, and so I think there's still a lot to be done there. Um, but for us, we really just want to be where people are to be able to, to be able to pay on the spot. Um, and so you can do that by shipping it to us. That just takes longer we want our our goal is to use technology to use our pricing tool we've developed other technology that um you know that helps us to automatically identify those items and then our pricing algorithm to automatically price it and so to give you that quote as quickly as possible to pay as quickly as possible and you can mail it but we can also be where you are so that we can pay you on the spot using that same technology. So that's yes. sort of like, that's Are all like, of these tech folks in-house? How, how large is your data, yeah. your, your tech team? Yeah, all of our technology is in-house. We've done We've built it, you know, from the ground up. We have our tech team. Is We have an office in Utah. Okay. So they have what's called Silicon Slopes out there. And we found it to be a really great area for our tech team. And um, just kind of reorganized that. Got a, um, our new, a new CTO who just um, came over to us from... Outlook and Nordstrom.com. It's been very, just been really huge in helping us to organize our team and grow it even further. But, you know, all of our, there's so much more there with, um, again, when you add, when you're trying to scale a business like ours, the real problem is like, how do you identify these bags quickly? How do you price them accurately? And how do you authenticate them? Those are the three big problems. And so how can we use technology to solve for some of those? And so, you know, if you upload some photos of a bag to us, we have to be able to, be able to identify that not only that that's the, you know, that that's a medium Chanel flat, but that's that's not the old medium. That's the new medium. They change their medium. Oh, <laughs> that makes a difference. And we need to know that, like, does the does this type of matte gold hardware, does that sell better? Or, you know, we need to know because those are just differences of hundreds of dollars one way or the other. Um, and so when we know those things, um, you know, we're able to accurately price and identify. Um, but it takes people a long time to develop that skill to say what's a new, new medium versus a medium. Yeah. That's a, it's a nuance. It's a slightly different <laughs> shape. But a computer can count those quilts very um, quickly. Definitely. Immediately, um, and so we've you know we've trained a model using it's like eight hundred something thousand photos, our own photos and user generated photos to help us to you know to teach the computer to recognize 
because got it. The Chanel flop alone, there's like the you know, the mini, the extra mini, the small, the medium, the new medium, the large, the jumbo, the, you know. The, Chanel is yeah, going wild. Maxi. Yeah. So there's, there's so many different sizes. And for a person who's skilled in a long time, they might be able to identify it. I, you know, you can totally. see, you'll know. But a new person takes them longer, but not with the help of a computer. Yes. So it's, it's the trained. algorithm with the kind of assistant. Kind of, yeah. I don't know, teaming with yes. with, a, with a real life person. Yes, <laughs> the so many algorithms, algorithms and so many people who are just able to use those tools. Totally. And, yeah. Do you see? Is there a, a mirror or a um, kind of ripple effect? What's hot on the runway? If Gucci's having the moment, you see the same thing in resale. Yeah, it's so it's so cool because we totally see that, and we've been doing this for so long that we've seen it in such obvious ways. I mean, Gucci was lame when we first started; it was not popular. And honestly, um, the weird thing is a lot of, like, you'll see logo with Logomania, like all the Fendi, uh, you know, if you're... Dior saddlebag. The Dior saddlebag. So many of these bags that honestly, you know, we talked about the outlet. There's certain, like, styles, like the Fendi Zuka that we just put to the outlet because it just wasn't selling as high. And so we would just put it... It's had some value. We put it at the outlet. But all of a sudden... Rihanna wears or whatever for whatever yeah. reason we don't even know because sometimes Rihanna wears something and it doesn't catch so it's hard to even You're know like, what hello, it is Rihanna's wearing this <laughs> yeah hello did you notice yeah and so um you know but then that's what's so cool is we'll see it and 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 we can't expect our team to again you can't you won't know yeah. whether that's something that's gonna but the computer very quickly can recognize changes in velocity. We'll see the DR saddlebag is selling quickly, you know, faster and faster. And then we move it out of the outlet, move it to the main site. It automatically raises the price. We can't keep up with the automatic. It's still selling in zero days. I mean, it's crazy. But the computer can recognize those trends faster than we can. Yeah. And can see when they're real. Because we might anticipate this is going to be hot, whatever. We actually get all worked up about something. It never happens. Yes. When you think something's going to be hot, do you put that out there say, you know, get this much more money for the yeah. selling this bag or how do you kind I mean, of we'll bring those definitely, in? Well, definitely they just reward it. Like we'll want like, oh, the Chanel Pharrell Williams when that line came out, you know, like when when that, that collaboration came out, we were like, okay, you know what? Like this is incredible. Like if we got anybody submitting that stuff, we're giving them super high offers, higher than retail. But in the very beginning, you've got no data to price with and so you're right. just going on hunches with some of that stuff, you know, and you can see very quickly if it's panning out or not. And some for us, sometimes it, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes we've learned over time, yeah, you know, kind of how to gauge that. But yeah, oh my gosh, I love this. I'm gonna check out this yeah. <laughs> discount site. Yeah. No. <laughs> just between you and I. No, exactly. <laughs> Trust me, that I actually shop the discount site more than our main site. Yeah, find some treasures. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much, Sarah, for being here. So, so glad fun. to be here. Thank you so much. That's all for this episode, which was produced by Pierre Bienname. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Don't forget that we're offering Glossy Podcast listeners 20% off an annual Glossy Plus membership, giving you unlimited access to fashion and beauty stories. Use the code podcast at checkout. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. 